0: I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. No, no, this no. is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I'll just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that this that this that. jerk with the
1: mask.
0: And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angkstead and joining me. From HoopMag.com and Blue Wire Podcasts, Josh Eberly. Josh, what you got for me?
1: Man, thanks for having me on. it. it you know what? You said in the pre show here that. Uh... You kind of we didn't know each other, but we Twitter knew each other, and yeah, the <laughs> feelings mutual. So nice to connect.
0: Definitely, uh, and I've seen you, you know, defend the Mavericks, talk about the Mavericks, and I, I knew you as a Mavericks fan, and so I wanted to have <laughs> you on and talk about uh, the Mavericks. But let's start with the present, and then we'll get into to your Mavericks fandom. Uh, what's been your favorite part about this Mavericks season as a fan?
1: Oh, I mean, I think I think I would be be lying or trying to be cute if I said anything other than watching like Luca become, you know, one of the five best players in the world. Um, you, th- there were high expectations from him right from the jump, and you know, obviously there was no shortage of moments in his rookie season where you felt like he was going to be special. But you know, to make the superstar leap in year two, uh, it. it, it Really was nice to just throw away any doubts that, you know, he was a one year wonder or one hit wonder or it wasn't real or, you know, the numbers he put up this year just been insane.
0: It's it's incredible and we just can't overstate it enough. I feel like on this podcast, we just got done, you know. Like talking about Dirk every single day and just hailing Dirk as you know a legend, one of the greatest players ever, and just we kept finding ourselves saying, I can't say enough good things about Dirk. You just can't. And now we're doing it all over again with Luca. You just, it just can't be overstated how good he is so early. And uh, you know, yeah, it's it's like you said, it's almost like bearing the lead if you don't talk about Luca in your answer to this, this is one of your favorite things because uh, it's just been an amazing, an amazing thing. It's changed where the Mavericks are. Across the NBA, change where the Mavericks are, and uh, you know expectations and everything. I mean, it's just been amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it has been. And the thing is, there's been a lot of. I mean, the discourse around Luka has been primarily positive, appreciating him. You know, aside from Houston fans who <laughs> want people to hate him because people don't love Harden. And but like, it, it's not even that Luka's perfect. Like there, there's tons of things. You could nitpick about his game. He's not a great three-point shooter yet. You know that's going to be a problem eventually for a team that wants to win. You know a title down the line. He's still not in great NBA shape. He has to be hidden on defense. You know there's lots of things you could nitpick, but then you realize that he's averaging twenty-nine and nine, and he's on a team that you know really was estimated. I think what was the over under thirty-nine wins, forty-one and for a them half heading yeah. into the season. Sorry, what was it?
0: It was forty and a half.
1: Was it forty? And, okay, so I mean they were already there. And it just there there's there's no reason not to be overwhelmingly positive. There's so many times in basketball where there's you know stands and homers and people blowing smoke where it doesn't need to go. But he's a twenty year old. The Mavericks are ahead of schedule. Like the only narrative around him should be like this is an amazing feeling, and fans should be able to enjoy that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And did the expectations have taken it to a point where like you said we're nitpicking about certain things we're talking about you know him in the clutch and being able to close games and you know the three-point shooting and stuff like that uh if those are the things we're talking about now it's def- we're definitely definitely a good spot um <laughs> is there a maverick that you stand that is not like luca or kp that you find yourself defending to other like basketball fans
1: i, I feel like this year it has been tim hardaway um mm. i i think that You know, I I had zero expectations for him to be anything in Dallas. Um, I thought he was salary residue. I I had zero expectations for him to be a genuine contributor. But, like, the way he not only shot the three ball was nice, but, like, defended, played up and down. Um, You know, credit Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle seems to get, like, the absolute least out of the – really loud locker room guard types and the absolute most out of the guys who are on like the fringe cusp of the league and you don't really think they have much more to give and then he finds another level. So, you know, credit Rick, but but Tim Hardaway Jr. had a really strong season. I keep it, and it feels weird. I keep going I want to I want to say had has like what right, you know, but um but yeah he 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 was a joy to watch this year. He really was.
0: Yeah, what is it? Is it have or has? I guess he, he yeah. is having still. This is just gonna be yeah. one of the longest seasons, you know, despite probably missing games. Just just weird overall. Um okay, this is a question I've been asking some people. If you could just take one player from another team, let's say you could just poach somebody and add it to this Mavericks team, who would it be? Just anybody, um, contract
1: or otherwise. A star or not a star, star. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, any player. You know what? Um, assuming he's still the same guy defensively when he he's all healed up and comes back, Clay Thompson, I think next to Luca would be phenomenal. Just taking advantage of all that that room that Luca creates, but then you know being able to take the tougher dis- assignment defensively every night. You know, assuming he's the, still that same guy on defense, I, I think he's someone who would just be a joy to watch uh, in this Dallas offense too.
0: Yeah, and the Mavericks. I mean, they already have a pretty big lineup with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Luca. Um, you know, when they start pretty big, like when Dwight Powell is still healthy. But if you put Clay Thompson in there, I mean, th- that lineup is—you have two six, six, seven guys in the backcourt, and then you have seven footers in the front. I mean, it's just a huge lineup all over.
1: Yeah, it'd be great. The length, the the shooting between, like a Luca clay thj perimeter size wise shooting wise would be phenomenal
0: yeah and he knows his role in the offense he's not gonna you know try to be more than what he is like we we talked about you know with other people you know Giannis, Kawhi, and ad that seemed to be the <laughs> consensus of those three but but like those guys are you know they kind of they change the hierarchy a little bit if you add some of those guys clay comes in and fits right away and becomes you know the perfect role player
1: yeah and i gotta i gotta thing, man like I, I i don't know how how much to my stuff you follow but I have for like six, seven years now. I feel like the league is heading towards one big guy and four perimeter players in that six-five to six-ten zone who do a little bit of everything. I think that the formal power forward position is dead, dead. Um, I think center is on the way out, and it's, and it's going to be all about like who has the longest, best shooting, most athletic five that can play any role on defense. And I, th- I think any chance you have a, opportunity like obviously that it can't actually add clay thompson but to add in someone who can shoot and switch on defense that's what you got to do
0: oh completely yeah and i think our thing and even the mavericks thing has been your center either has to be like poor you know a guy that you know plays five and can do all those things that you mentioned or you have to take the bullpen approach where you have a dwight powell you have a maxi you have a willie collie stein like you have a bunch of different guys you can throw out there and give it different looks but you're not going to invest so much in just that one position
1: yeah, and, like, I feel like Dwight Powell is a guy I have long, you know, disagreed with um, <laughs> the general consensus about him. Like, I, I'm a Dwight Powell guy. Uh, I can't remember what the exercise – someone threw out something on Twitter It was like, who are the, who are the top ten Mavs of the decade I think is what it was and, mm-hmm. I, and I had him in there at number 10 and people lost their minds but I'm like you, you got to remember like he's the longest tenured Mav um he's just been like phenomenal aside from JJ Barea which kind of counts kind of doesn't but um I, I think what he brings offensively like the spacing the rim running is underrated and if he just played five if you were just going to play him in like kind of the NS Cantor role we're like yeah we know we're going to give up a lot of points when he's out there But when he comes in, we're going to have a super efficient offense, too. Like, I I think it works. I think Dwight Powell's got an underrated skill set. I mean, uh, field goal percentage isn't the stat that it was when the guy shot 64%. Like, he didn't waste possessions. Um, He's a guy I hope is on the team in the future, too.
0: Oh, yeah. And he's another guy that Carlisle can, you know, has created a role for him that he can just completely uh, excel at. And it doesn't have to, you know, try to be other things. He just is what he is. And Carlisle knows how to maximize it. Uh, kind of like what Tim Hardaway Junior. is doing right now. Uh, another one of those guys, like you said, not one of the, the you know the loud guys. He's one of the quiet guys that just puts his head down, does his thing, and Carlisle knows how to maximize those. Uh, there's a trend there, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so.
1: that, for sure, both ways. Honestly, I was thinking about this like a, a couple times this season. He he really does like the diamond in the rough guys or the edge of the league guys. He he really finds. He must have one heck of a pep talk. Like we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> get you a bag. You're gonna, your reputation's gonna change if you just buy in and play in the system, and those guys thrive. And then he gets the guys like Rondo and Monte Ellis. It's like, you know, I'm just, I just want to change how you play a little bit, and they're like, nah. And uh, <laughs> what's the unstoppable force uh, cliche? You know. Oh yeah, an
0: immovable object
1: meets an unstoppable force. Exactly. Something
0: like that. Something like that. All right, coming up, let's uh, let's look back a little bit at the Mavericks and look back at, you know, when you became a Mavs fan, your favorite Mav, all those kind of things. Coming up. But before we do, to get fit in 2020, you don't have to go to a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in shape in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1-connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality, at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone's Busy moms, dads, first responders, elite athletes, whatever your fitness level, you're somewhere in between. And with daily, live, and on- on-demand studio classes right in your home. You'll never have to step foot in a gym again. Let's start it now and continue it afterwards. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, we'll give you your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for a Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under a 1000 bucks. Go to EchelonFit.com to learn about their limited-time free Apple iPad and complete details of this exclusive offer, Echelon. It's your time. That's E C A h-e-l-o-n fit.com slash l-o-n-b-a echelonfit.com slash l-o-n-b-a all right josh let's start with this looking back when did you become a Mavs fan man uh, 99
1: 98 um i'm honestly not sure because this is how i became a Mavs fan like for those that don't know i live in calgary alberta very far from dallas texas not close
0: canada for those that don't know that their geography they don't (laughs) know their geography
1: (laughs) and i'm almost as close to dallas as i am to toronto so i'm not i'm not close to toronto Uh, oh wow yeah i didn't even like picture that yeah so i'm like i'm west side of canada and uh so my mom's a flight attendant and when i think it's 98 or 99 she came home and I was a kid and she brought me like a Dallas Mavericks t-shirt and a Dallas Cowboys hoodie from one of her trips and then those were just my teams like that's just how it became so um everyone thinks it was Dirk because obviously I am a pretty big Dirk homer but no just it just it was destiny that I was meant to be a Dirk fan I guess
0: <laughs> well in that 98 99 was right when Dirk got you know drafted and right when everything kind of happened so uh, that was a good time to jump on for sure <laughs> right about yeah then.
1: it didn't feel like a, like it was kind of the opposite for the cowboys but yeah oh yeah yeah that's true <laughs>
0: um what are your earliest mavs fan experiences uh like have, were you able to go to games was there any kind of experience you had as a fan that you
1: really remember maybe watching games um i'm trying to think like i watched a ridiculous amount of basketball even as a kid like back when pvrs were were still being used regularly like i used to pvr mavs games if they were on too late for me to watch the next day what does pbr um, stand for I, that's a good question video recording something oh, like, oh, like recording? a dvr or like t yeah maybe oh, that's yeah. what it was oh, okay anyway yeah but like, like <laughs> i thought we, it was a thing that we didn't have here <laughs> i used to set the manage recordings i used to like fight with my brother and my dad for remote like my dad would always want to watch like star trek reruns <laughs> i have to fight
0: Don't <laughs> have we to all?
1: yeah star trek stargate and stuff something else man um <laughs> That's yeah it's it's too much but uh <laughs> but I, honestly, it wasn't that early, but the 006 finals, yeah um, was was huge that series the second round series against San Antonio was probably like when I first really started to like I went from like, oh yeah, this is my team because I have a hoodie and I like Dirk and Nash is Canadian to wow, oh, yeah. I really love basketball and this team is special. That was probably the moment it really turned up. Um, I did get to see Dallas play in Orlando. I've never seen Dallas play in dallas Mm. Mm. i recommend it yeah (laughs) um so that
0: 06 finals were you just completely enraged after it happened or what were your initial reactions
1: since it was such a big moment for you yeah it's probably good like i wasn't rolling on twitter at the time (laughs) I i was i was a kid still and uh it, it was rigged, and, and Tim Donahue knows, and Stern's a cheat, and I stand with Mark Cuban, and Dwayne Wade's a hack, and uh, I don't know, I probably posted like And all like, those things are still true. <laughs> yeah, I posted all of those free throw stats about Wade probably like 100 times on Twitter. Yeah, And there was, I've been reading Bill Simmons probably as long as I can remember, but there was right. a Bill Simmons column that I read going to the finals, and it haunts me. It was like his finals preview for ESPN. I probably tweeted this 10 times too, but... He literally calls it. He's like, the Mavs probably win this series unless it becomes an officiating mess because the Miami Heat just get into like these fits where the league decides everything they do warrants two free throws. And he, he literally verbatim calls how that series ends. And it just, it infuriates me every time I look at it.
0: The fact that somebody out there knew and somebody with such a big platform as Bill at the time, you know, knew that that was coming and that
1: exactly how it went down. It just—it's haunting. It is—it's it, haunting every time I read it. I'm just like, it's disgusting that this was was so <laughs> possible. That you know, he 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 had it to a T. That's wild. Again,
0: the greatness of Bill Simmons. We we are we are fans still here.
1: For, oh, for sure. I mean, Bill Bill Bill's a total goof now, and he's always been a homer. <laughs> and like, there's plenty of reasons to beg on him. But he he is the you know the godfather of sports blogging. And he made it, like, uh, unarguably cool. Inarguably it is cool to talk about sports and obsess over sports because he helped generate that culture. So, no yeah. doubt.
0: Oh, absolutely! And this network probably doesn't happen without like a Bill Simmons because uh, a lot of a lot of us are fans of these teams and we talk about them like they're our teams. And some people use the word "we" and you know all that stuff. And he made it, you know, uh, he kind of like naturalized that, I guess. That sort of idea, because before it was you can't clap in the you know the press box, you can't you know be a fan of the team, you have to cover it you know objectively and all that stuff, and he kind of changed all that stuff,
1: yeah, and like i you know when I was working for sports and up here, like hockey's still very like that, and I kind of go back and forth like sometimes with the nBA stuff when I get to a game, and I see like I don't. Know, I will say a beat writer, but a blogger wearing like a backward snapback, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a scrum. I'm like, okay, we've gone too far. Like, this, <laughs> we, got, we need to take this a little bit more serious than we have. But well, at you've the same time, Isaac, then, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But then at the same time you go like in the NHL and everybody's in like a full suit and it feels ridiculous and like there's like 12 writers and they're all from Calgary but in the flames, you know, when an overtime winner and someone claps and everyone acts like, you know, <laughs> they just danced in a funeral home. So like there's probably a happy medium in there somewhere Dancing but, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, and now we're at the point where uh, – so I, I'm – oh oh my gosh i almost just said i identify as a lakers fan like it was like my sexuality (laughs) i uh i'm a lakers fan i grew up a lakers fan and people that listen to this podcast get mad every once in a while because they're like why aren't you a Mavs fan i don't understand and now it's gotten to that point where if you cover (laughs) the team and you're not a fan of the team people get upset so it's we've we've gone full circle
1: (laughs) oh we we could do a two-hour podcast on just the phenomenon that is like fan coverage versus not fan coverage and i think part of that social media too like Fans sure. want to hear from people who, uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm struggling for words in this moment, but like unabashedly support the team. Like they, they don't want honest analysis. They Sometimes, want a, yeah. They they want a cheerleader. Like the the average fan who you know buys a couple beers, wants to talk about the win last night, but like has no interest in discussing stats and and the general any, anything beyond the general want somebody on there who who is going to be a cheerleader and make jokes and hype up their squad and that's fine but i think it's also led to a lot of people being in media who are i mean diehard fans so it has changed
0: oh absolutely i think i think people just want a fans just want someone to feel with them right when the mavericks lose you know in a in bad fashion Uh, They want to to log on the next day listen to lockdown Mavs and hear us be upset about it and hear us bash them Uh, We get upset we get people upset with us for not being critical enough of the team, too So it it goes both ways they want us to cheer when they cheer and be critical when you know the Mavericks do something wrong Uh, And sometimes it feels like why aren't you saying my team is crap? (laughs) It goes yeah, it goes kind of both ways on that But they just want you to be able to feel with them and experience it with them, which I get
1: that's true that's true I mean Dusco, it's either the best or the worst right like there's no, there's no redeeming qualities for Robert Sarver and Gilbert they're just the devil you know like they're just they're just the devil there's nothing that they can ever do that's well there's no context and vice versa every you know player who has a improving season is invaluable and can't be traded for an Anthony Davis so oh for sure for sure
0: alright Um, what's your who's your favorite non-Dirk Maverick <sighs>
1: I, I wanna say I wanna say it's probably old man Jerry Stackhouse.
0: That is fascinating because I've interviewed now four big MAPS fans, and that's the second person to say Jerry Stackhouse. I just that's I so just so random.
1: Lo- <laughs> I just loved that vet, vet Stack. And like everyone talks about like the push in the 06 finals, which which is like the push wasn't even wasn't that spectacular but it it was the fact that Shaq said afterwards that like his daughter pushed him harder and was like that upset about you know stack rocking him a little bit (laughs) um but but i just he he was just fun man and uh you know josh howard was kind of infuriating at times in the way that like if you're a Dirk stand and you just want dirt to shoot every time and josh howard you know can do that he kind of got in the way sometimes he probably didn't but to me watching as a kid and same with jet like terry there'd just be times where he'd shoot five threes and none of them went in you would be like get him out of here but something about stackhouse man and just had flow and when he turned it on like one of my all-time favorite regular season games was like a double overtime game uh, against the suns and it was like 06 or 07 because nash was there and was the mvp and you know, there's all the history between the two teams, and uh, Stack went for like 42 or 44 points, and I swear that's the most fun I've ever had watching this season games. I just <laughs> going nuts.
0: That was your guy. You're just excited for him and glad that he was
1: just killing it. Always, yeah, I love Stack. Uh,
0: so, do you remember where you were during the the uh, 2011 finals?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Because so this is the thing too. Like, I can count on one hand how many Mavericks fans I've met in Calgary who live in Calgary. Um, there's not, but like everyone up here knows that like I'm a diehard basketball fan, knows I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. And so 2011, I'm bartending, uh, working on my undergrad. I think I was interning for Dime at the time. And I had I had this bartending shift and I could not get it covered for game six. Oh, the so worst, w- the w- worst
0: w- feeling as working in a restaurant.
1: I, I, w- like, I, I played every other game at my house. I had people over game six. I'm like, nobody texts me. I was like, no joke, no. if any if you text me, you're dead to me. Like no one talked to me. I had a guy, hey, be like, hey, the NBA. and and I have raged about this so many times in Canada. like it's really hard to get NBA playoffs on sometimes when the NHL playoffs are going. Yeah, I had a guy ask at the bar if I could throw it on, and I was like, no. <laughs> because, because I didn't want to see it, and uh, so I got home that night at like three in the morning and watch, and I turned on the recording and watched Game Six oh. by myself with a six pack, and it it was it was bliss, but I was also so sad to miss out on like the the live reaction. But yes. that night, so like I, it's probably like skipping through commercials, four thirty, maybe five in the morning. I'm finishing Game Six. No one cares. Everyone's asleep and uh i ordered a sports illustrated like commemorative yeah championship package at that moment at 5 a.m i still i've never opened the like i have the the book that i have in my house for people to look at but i have the dvd still as a plastic wrap i'm gonna watch it on the 10-year reunion i've had this planned for i guess nine yeah
0: just gonna sit you're like thanos you're gonna sit back and you're gonna open it and (laughs) I, I'm just gonna watch
1: it, like ten years to the day, Game Six. I'm gonna pull up that Sports Illustrated 2011 Mavs highlight season DVD, and I'm gonna watch it, and it's gonna be great. Maybe I'm gonna put it on Zoom since we're all there now.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. Hopefully, we're not still there, right? It's gonna be in a, a year from now,
1: so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, pretty close, right? Like ho- 13 ho- months.
0: Hopefully, we're not still all quarantined at that point, but. Yeah. Ooh. At this point, who knows, right? I mean. <laughs> It's been crazy enough. All right, coming up, let's get into the future of this Mavericks team. Talk about you know the pieces they need going forward, uh, the ceiling for this team, and all kinds of other stuff with Josh coming up. All right, Josh, let's start with this with the Mavericks' future. What do you think is the Mavericks' biggest need going forward? Maybe a specific type of player or just something the team needs to do overall.
1: I think the the honest answer, without going crazy and like. you know, secure Giannis bringing the third star. Like the, I, I think just finding what is the, the best route for Luca KP going forward. Um, and I think the numbers are still telling that Luca's better without KP out there. And KP is better without Luca out there. And they get more out of, you know, uh, the team gets more to Luca, and the team gets more to KP when they don't play together. So, you know, uh, I think it's been talked about by a lot of people, but Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol, you know, just kind of like monitoring their minutes, staggering them, always having a superstar on the floor. I think that's that's a viable route, but just finding a way for those two guys to connect a little bit better where KP doesn't feel like he's just standing around and uninvolved when Luca's out there, but at the same time, you know, Luca's not catering to KP for lesser shots and possessions. And I, I don't know what that answer is, but I think that's how they go from being a really good team to a great team?
0: Yeah, my my thing this whole season has been it's about Luca and KP figuring out that chemistry, and I think we had the Mavericks had sort of figured out some of that right before all this started happening. Right, they had a cup a, a game before the All Star break, I think, and then after the All Star break they had started really figuring out the Luka KP aspect of it. Luka had missed some games with injury, and so KP was playing without him. He had those crazy games against the Pacers and the the Rockets. And then he finally started to get that and they finally started to ramp up, figure out how to play together, and then all this happened. And so uh I, I agree that, that separately they've played better without the other, you know, the other one, but it's not as bad as like the Sixers, right? Like they they're, they're in some no. they're in some like they're not KD and Curry, right? Where automatically they just played super well together. They're not Simmons and Embiid, right? They're somewhere in the middle at this point. And it's, I mean, it's just one year. They have time going forward. And that's thats one of the amazing things is they have time to try and figure it all out.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I think that's true too, right? That's another one of those extreme things. Um I'm a, I'm a big believer that the Sixers won't be maximized until they move Simmons or Embiid because you can build a lot better team around either of those guys with pieces that fit better. I don't think that's the case here. But, I, I mean, the numbers are still telling where, like, yeah, the Mavs net rating with Luka off the floor is is 11.7 when KP's out there. And when they're both out there, it's 6.7. Which, I mean, you know, 7 points per 100 possessions better. It's a lot. Nothing to complain about, but just just finding a way I, I think it is and like there's some of the quotes earlier in the season were from Porzingis were telling and like he was still working his way back from injury trying to figure out where he fits in Dallas on a whole but like he feels like he's he could do more he's not really sure how he fits in this at times and, and I, I don't know what the answer is and, and hopefully Rick's the right guy to kind of like bridge those conversations as they come but if they if they get some more synergy if they become a more natural fit then it's it's going to be special
0: as a fan do you still are you still all behind Rick like 100% and feel like he is that guy that can
1: still you know figure all this out? Yeah, I am. Like I one of the weirder things that every season comes up is like random Mavericks fans <laughs> pop up on my timeline and want to fire Rick Carla. Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> I just I you know like granted I follow a lot of people and half the time I don't even look at the timeline cuz I just fire out a take and and wait for people to roast me but uh <laughs> But, like, honestly, I'm always blown away when e- every season I see something like that, where I'm like, the Mavs are ahead of schedule, your sophomore looks like one of the five best players in the NBA, Porzingis was just having, like, a-, a monstrous post-All-Star break statistically, but then there's like, oh, Rick's an idiot, he doesn't <laughs> get it, and you'll just see the stuff, and you're like, there are 27, 28 teams in the NBA every year who would immediately call Rick Carlisle if he was let go, so I- I'm I'm always confused by those those claims
0: yeah it was most confusing to me in the the years before luca right that like the two tanking seasons when i was hosting this show and i would hear from people and they'd be like it's time for rick to go they need a new they need a new voice i'm like none of these players are going to be here in two years right like, they're all going to change over it's going to be a completely different team why would you get rid of the one guy that has championship experience still on this team uh that made less sense to me even yeah now. And
1: i don't like the just the track record like i mean he, he has a title team here in dallas he's a 60 win team in indiana he's worked with stars all over the place he gets the most out of role players um yeah he butted heads with rondo and, and ellis and the times it was frustrating as a fan to watch the team suck but you looked at who he was running out there for a couple of years and it was what it was
0: yeah yeah there you know there are some prickly things about rick but you know he's a great coach and for people that are great at things usually there are some prickly things about them right they don't get along with some people they have certain way of doing things but uh, you just you, you take the, the good and the bad I think and there's more good I think than bad at this point
1: yeah fair enough
0: um, what do you think the ceiling is for this Mavs team let's start with if they don't add another like Clay Thompson all-star type if they just keep like this team they kind of move some ancillary pieces around you know maybe improve a little bit but don't add like a third
1: piece What's, what do you think is their
0: ceiling going forward
1: well, that's so tough to. I mean, in in my earlier days, I would love to just throw like conference finals or something <laughs> out there, but like it, it, like what? Look what happened this year. I mean, this year was supposed to be a year where it was wide open, and pretty much two weeks in, I was like, it feels like a three team race between the Clippers, Lakers, and Bucks, and you just you just don't know what's going to happen, and like, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. playing the way that he did. I think was like a a huge, huge boost. And you don't know who they're going to bring in. Maybe it's not a third guy, but like maybe someone else like Seth Curry had games this year where he's just out of his mind. Somebody gets hurt. I I think this team as constructed, if it has, you know, the same roster for another year or two, um, if they got hot and you know, the the, the way that things, things went their way, they could be a finals team. I look at the Raptors last year and, and how great they were and like the track record of success. And, you know, they got a couple lucky breaks with the Warriors being hurt in the finals. and They have a title. I, I think this team's not quite there, but I, I don't think this is a team that's that far away. I, I'm not certain that a third star is what they need to get over the hump. I just think they need some good luck, some good health, and, you know, maybe in a couple other contributors who really know their role and fit in here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does feel like they're, they already have the, the two guys they need. And then, I mean, the, the, Portland Trailblazers made the Western Conference Finals last year. I mean, you never know how it's going to break for a certain team in any given year. You know, you could just get lucky and, like you said, get you know get find a path to get, to get you there, and all of a sudden you are you know back in the finals. Who knows?
1: This is this is fan privilege speaking right now. Like this is I acknowledge my fan privilege as I say this, but like I would hate for this team to be the the, the Portland equivalent of last year, and I I, I was in Portland. I was in Portland and I watched them get eliminated and I and I watched Myers Leonard go for like 32 points and <laughs> it was an entertaining game and I know that like Portland fans are super happy they made the conference finals but being that like moral victory team that's happy they got the right playoff seating and then get swept in the conference finals. No. i've I've tasted what a championship tastes like i don't i don't don't want that so so hopefully there's there's a better ceiling than that but uh yeah i hear you
0: so so you're not going to get asked on locked on blazers you're probably not going to get asked on locked on like hornets and there's a whole bunch of other ones with with, with that kind of take
1: i don't (laughs) grizzlies just oh man prematurely
0: well they had that they had that one run the grit and grind era i mean they they at least had a solid run but
1: yeah you know what, and like again though, like not try, trying to be a dick, but it's the kids gloves, it's the kids loves <laughs> thing oh,
0: like, come on,
1: like the Gr- and Gr- and Grizzlies, like they had one run to the conference finals and and that team, like if I was a fan of that team i would be happy because like i know yeah. those guys laid it on the line but the commentary from like around the league was like good for them and oh they did it <laughs> <laughs> they were so good they worked so hard and it was like guys you know and you know they made the conference finals one time like you know eh. but uh yeah that's i mean that's neither here nor there
0: this is one of the biggest times of having that fan uh Arrogance, I guess, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. like the team, the, like the fans of teams that have won titles and have been there and have been in the mix, uh, because all these content creators that are creating all these, like, what's the best moment in this team's history? And you start looking at Ooh. some of the brackets, and you're like, that's in the oh, bracket, yeah. like that's a one seat. You start looking around, <laughs> and man, being a Mavs fan has, has been pretty
1: great. <laughs> well, yeah, and you talk about I hate I hate Lakers fans in general because I understand they're just so privileged and so so extra and like the lakers exceptionalism is so real but i'm just i'm hearing myself right now and i'm like i can't imagine what a terrible dick i'd be if we'd won (laughs) five championships in my lifetime like i would be i would just be the worst person in the world probably because it would just be all bliss
0: yeah like so so for, for people like me in their late 20s like early 30s uh, you basically started watching basketball and the lakers won three titles in a row and then you get to like high school maybe college and they win two more and get to <laughs> like three finals in a row like it just it's incredible it's almost like boston sports fans right we talked about simmons like he had nothing for a while and then all of a sudden they just won everything yeah you'd be you'd be arrogant talking the way he does too <laughs> if, it, if it happened that way
1: <laughs> well if you, and, and being like a you know, late twenties, early thirties like this fan, you essentially hop from Shaq to Kobe to Braun. Yes. Like not a bad run. <laughs> not, and, not a bad situation. And at some yeah.
0: point in your life you, you discover like Magic Johnson, you're like, Oh dang. Like, they had Magic Johnson and then you're like oh yeah they also had Kareem like oh dang Kareem and Will Chamberlain also came there oh and Jerry West and Elgin
1: Baylor and <laughs> like you forget about more all-stars than even just like the washed guys who you got to be excited like you just got to have like Lakers fans throw the biggest parties for offseason victories but like you just got to like be excited about Steve Nash in the season. you got to be excited about yeah. Gary Payton Carl Malone <laughs> Dwight Howard like just the names that came in even the ones that didn't work out you were just like so happy for a few months because you thought you won the title and you know june july and august and that's that's a good feeling too i, I wouldn't mind that
0: wow I, didn't, I don't know if i've especially. ever put dwight powell in or dwight howard in that group i've never really thought oh. about it like that but yeah he is he's that washed all-star that's now on the lakers like everybody does that
1: well and even like the first time like the first time it didn't really work out but he was still you know damn good he's still an all-nba player but like i'll tell you being a mavs fan and like going through like the free agency roulette we're like Chris Kamen, everybody. Uh, Chris <laughs> Kamen is going to come out and be a uh, second option for us. Oh, he is. And then, like, O.J. Mayo tore it up for, like, 14 games, and I was, like, had an O.J. Mayo jersey in the the mail. I was all in on O.J. Mayo. Okay, just those 14. All right. But, uh, yeah, no, it would be nice to win the offseason once in a while, too, for sure.
0: Josh, anything else that's Mavericks-related you want to
1: get off your chest? Anything else that's Mavericks-related? Yeah. Um, no man I like I feel like with the current team I'm in a pretty like happy grounded place I think there were some dark moments for a lot of mass fans the last few years but like just enjoy this next year and a bit before all the expectations come and every talk show is talking about whether like Luca is spineless or has a clutch gene or you know if if Porzingis is soft and like all the other topics that come because Right now, there's no expectations, but, you know, come next season, I think they're probably, well, Mavis, you know, they're spending X amount of dollars. If Luka's an MVP candidate, if KP's All-NBA, then they should be competing for a title, and and Cuban will say that, and Carlisle will say that, and those guys will say that. So just kind of enjoy this this season where, you know, you're leading up to it. Don't take it for granted. Hopefully we get to finish.
0: We'll put a link in the description for, for your Twitter account, but tell everybody where they can find you and read you and all that.
1: Yeah, so I mean I'm on Twitter at Josh Eberly. Uh, pretty much all of my written work goes to Hoot Meg and I uh, got a new podcast starting actually next week uh, with Blue Wire. So keep an eye for it.
0: There you go. guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mabs. Peace out. Boom.